Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good people. Ah, yeah, you know what it is. Hard worker, scrappy, unfiltered, and sometimes unhinged football content. Hard to explain, but you know it when you see it. Doing it daily, our way. I don't know what you're talking about right now. Redraft and Dynasty Fantasy Football, we got you covered. You know their defense is ranked like 31st in the NFL? NFL draft prospects and rookies? Now you know you in the right place for that. Absolutely. All right, then stop saying it. Then we're done. And prop bets with my man Jay Rich. Count that money, man. Now wipe the crust out of your eyes. Get you a cup of coffee. It's time to wake your ass up with Ray G. You honestly are making absolutely no sense and you sound silly as hell. Ah, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good people. It is Tuesday, January 4th, 2022. Y'all know who it is. Wake up, Ray G. We are excited. Excited today to talk to you because we just witnessed the meltdown of Baker Mayfield on Monday Night Football Live in primetime. We got to see Ben Roethlisberger finish out his career, and we are going to dive into the rookie running backs, how they performed in 2021, what we could take away from this past season from these rookie running backs. My man Najee Harris, who just won you all fantasy titles last night, and a lot of y'all don't deserve it, damn it. I wish I can pull the points that Najee Harris got you off of your roster because the slander has been out of control and ridiculous this season about Najee Harris and his performances. Uh, Jay, good morning to you. Did you win any fantasy titles this year? I got to ask the question. I'm going to just let you know I was in seven. It looked like I was about to win four of them. When it boiled down to them, I won two. That was it. It was it was a decent year for old GQ. Did you make it to any fantasy championships this year and win? Well, I appreciate you including me in your fantasy glory, but you know the answer to this question. We talked about it. So really what you're doing is you're embarrassing me on your show. Not only do I have to be your producer, but you embarrass me and you make me look bad at the people. Did you win a, a fantasy year. title? I it was a rough year. I did not even make it. I was sitting on easy street. I told you my mental health has never been better. I was just enjoying the games. It was great. I loved it. Last night sucked, though, but it was great to see you Ben, know, great it, to see Baker meltdown. I love a good Baker meltdown. It always you know, makes it, me a little bit happy. It's right. it's something about the fantasy playoffs being over that is so relieving. We don't have to worry about start-sit decisions. Big reason why I'm an advocate of leagues being best ball, like it just eliminates the guesswork, like draft a good team and whoever scores the most points is going to be in your lineup. But I'm relieved. I can just enjoy week 18. I can enjoy the NFL playoffs. We can have some fun with some prop bets. I use prize picks. Y'all know what it is. Prize picks is what we do. But it's something relieving about being done with the fantasy playoffs, man. But the, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Jay. We participate in Dynasty. So, like, it never stops, right? It never stops now. All trade deadlines should be open. We've already made some moves. But make sure, make sure, if y'all are tapping in, thumbs up, subscribe to the show, subscribe to the podcast, and comment. So, at the end of the show, once we wrap up all the content, Jay's going to favorite some of the questions that maybe you guys ask, and we'll answer those before we get out of here. We should have done that yesterday, but we're going to make sure we get it done today. But we got a lot to talk about. A lot of these rookie running backs, how they performed, where we were right, where we went wrong. We're going to get into it after Jay hits us with the news in the morning run. Wake up! This is the morning run. All right, so yesterday, fans in Pittsburgh got to say their farewells to old Ben Roethlisberger. It was a really heartwarming moment. You had Najee break the big run at the end of the game, won you guys some titles, which is great. But then on top of that, Baker Mayfield throw a last-minute interception, allowed Ben to come out one last time, kind of like a second curtain call type thing with the fans. 
take the knee down. He talked about after the game how there's nothing more humbling than taking a knee at the end of the game because it means your team won, and that's the best feeling you could possibly have. Um, great to see that for the fans. Great for Ben Roethlisberger. Great to see him finish his career in such nice fashion at Heinz Field. But on top of that, I told you guys yesterday, TJ Watt had the opportunity to lock up Defensive Player of the Year yesterday, and he did just that. He had four sacks. He had two pass deflections. Dude was an absolute monster. They took him out. They are rotating him out. I believe the Steelers had nine sacks yesterday on Baker Mayfield. It was one of the worst offensive line performances I've ever seen. The Pittsburgh Steelers were just mauling Baker all day long. He couldn't get anything going. So, again, TJ Watt, he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Unfortunately for Ray and his Michael Parsons' bets, it's not the year. We'll see what happens. Brutal. Brutal for me. Brutal for me. Brutal. Minus 400 now. So, Ray, he was, I believe, plus 220 or plus 200. He was the favorite yesterday. But he's a heavy favorite now. Big swing. Your boy Michael Parsons not going to win. In Antonio Brown-related news, everyone was watching The Wire yesterday because they're waiting for the actual release to happen, and it never came. Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, they're all looking for that. Antonio Brown's officially been released per The Wire, per the NFL, and it never came. So for some reason, the Bucks and the NFL are trying to work out this whole scenario. Maybe it's disciplinary. I don't know. But for whatever reason, he wasn't officially released yet. Maybe it'll come today. Maybe it won't come. With no Chris Godwin, we know that Tampa Bay Buccaneers need Antonio Brown more than ever if they want to win a title. Now, it would be a long shot for him to actually come back, but for the fact that he wasn't released is a little bit surprising in my in my respects. So we'll see what happens with AB. Maybe he gets released today. We'll see. The Eagles have 12 players in COVID protocols, the main one being Dallas Goddard. If you're in a championship this week, like, one, what are you doing? Two, Eagles probably aren't playing anyways. They've already clinched a playoff spot. We talked about that yesterday. So I wouldn't expect them to play at all, even though they're playing Dallas. I think the best seed they can possibly get is the fifth seed. Fifth seed, sixth seed, who cares, right, at the end of the day? They'll be playing one of the top seeds of the NFC. They know that. They'll probably just rest their guys, stay away from COVID, all of that. And then in college football-related news, Oklahoma Sooners quarterback Caleb Williams has entered the transfer portal with that corresponding move. We think that he's probably going to go to USC. I know, Ray, you're hoping he goes to USC. And Dylan Gabriel, the transfer from UCF, is the quarterback who's now headed to Oklahoma. He was originally committed to UCLA. Now he's headed to Oklahoma. We'll see where Caleb Williams goes. You know, it's not officially he's going to USC to be with Lincoln Riley. But if he does, that means that Jackson Dart, the standout freshman quarterback, could be on the move as well. Yeah, I'm excited. That's and it. make sure, I, I want to make sure that people can hear me now. Do I sound like a, everybody was roasting me in the comments saying my mic woke up and the mic chose violence. I sound like a damn Decepticon. <laughs> uh, sure is usually reliable. It let me down. Do I sound better now? I got to make sure I sound yeah, better. I took, I took the Apple, every time I wear those damn AirPods, it, it messes up the feed, but we're good now. And I'm telling you right now, I'm seeing rumors that Caleb Williams is supposed to be going to Georgia. I pray that does not happen no because God bless everybody in the SEC. I don't care. Alabama. I'm a USC Trojans fan. You see the helmet back there. Uh, if Caleb Williams goes to Georgia, it's a wrap. Like it is, it is full fledged over. They, they let Justin Fields go a couple of years ago for Jake Fromm and the opportunity to like redo that mistake because they should have kept Justin Fields. Uh, they, they would definitely hit with Caleb Williams in the SEC. So I'm hoping as a Lincoln Riley truther now, as a USC Trojan fan, that the Georgia Bulldogs do not get Caleb Williams. I really hope that does not happen, Jay. Doesn't happen. But, um, yeah, we got to get to these rookie running backs, man. And um, it's crazy because coming into the season, we already knew that the 2021 rookie class was like kind of top-heavy, right? I think for most people – Everybody's top running backs were some combination of Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javonta Williams. That, those were like the top three guys coming into the 2022 NFL season, coming into the draft. And then there was, you know, after the draft happened and Trey Sermon was selected in the in the third round by the San Francisco 49ers, we saw that push his ADP up into, you know, back half of the first round in rookie draft. Some people were taking Trey Sermon even a little bit higher, um, a little bit higher than that. But now that we've had you know, the season has played out, and we kind of joked about Najee Harris' league-winning performance last night. I'm at 188 yards, broke away on that touchdown. Was I the only one? And, Jay, be honest, dude, when you watch that run, I was like, please don't get caught from behind, Najee. Please don't, because if he would have got caught from behind, everybody would have been like, 
everybody would have been like, that's what he, he doesn't have the long speed. You know what I'm saying? I'm watching. I'm like, just don't get caught. He pulls away, scores the touchdown. Uh, but what was what was evident to me watching Najee Harris, and let's just start with Najee, right? Because he was the first running back off of the board in the 2022 NFL draft class. And, uh, you know, he finishes the season as RB3 on the year, uh, RB6 in points per game, 18.2. I know that's what people like to see more than just like sort of uh, their end-of-season ranking, right? As RB3, he was giving you RB6 points per game production, league-winning performance last night. Uh, what more could you have asked for from Najee this season, right? He led the NFL in touches with 366, had 1,612 yards from scrimmage, 10 total touchdowns, 1172 on the ground with seven touchdowns, 90 targets, seven receptions, 440 yards, and three touchdowns. According to FTN data, Najee Harris has the seventh highest elusive rating in the NFL with a minimum of 50 carries and five receptions. So when you're talking about, and, and here's this is what I'm going to say about Najee Harris. And y'all tell me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I doubt it. But if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Like, I understand. I'm not here to argue or debate about his efficiency over the course of the season. I'm, I'm watching Twitter last night and people are like, the pick was terrible. He's a bad running back. Like, yes, any team, any team that drafts a running back in the first round, I don't care if it's Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and that's not to say that those players don't have the talent to be worthy of a top 32 pick, but when you're building a team and you're talking about positions that that matter in the NFL to help you win, you need the T.J. Watts. You need someone to stop a T.J. Watt. When you're looking at the Browns last night and they've got a rookie right tackle out there trying to guard T.J. Watt, I mean, he single-handedly wrecked that game notwithstanding how bad Baker Mayfield is, which is a whole nother topic, but you build in the trenches, right? Like, I think somebody, uh, I was watching the episode with Hugh Jackson of I Am Athlete last night, and Hugh Jackson said, uh, you run to score points, you throw to win games. That's what he said. You run to score, you throw to win games. And uh, you, you, you need a running back, but you can find those dudes off the street, man. We saw this past season. Detroit had some cat named Craig Reynolds come in there and tote the rock and rush for 100 yards. You're seeing James Conner have resurgences. So would Pittsburgh have been better? Like, looking back, hindsight, just keeping James Conner, taking that, what it was, Najee, the 24th pick, the 25th pick in the 2021 draft, using that on, I don't know, a defender, an offensive lineman, maybe a quarterback, I don't know. Uh, probably. But to say that Najee Harris is a bad running back, to me, that's just what does he have to work with? Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball. How many times did he throw the ball last night? 40-something times, less than 200 passing yards. Like, Ben was cooked all season. He's a Hall of Fame player, uh, you know, should be first ballot Hall of Famer probably, but at this stage in his career, he's he's not a, he's no threat. It doesn't help out the running back at all. The offensive line is putrid. Like, every yard that Najee Harris had to gain this season, he had to work his ass off in order to get that. And all I'm seeing is, he's a sell. Sell him in Dynasty. Get rid of him. And What the hell did you spend a top three pick, a rookie pick for on him for if you're just going to turn around the neck? I just, I don't agree with that narrative, man. At some point, you got to draft players to score you damn points to win you fantasy titles. And if your strategy is just to continuously churn these guys after one season, I just... I don't get the narrative that Najee Harris is a bad running back. He's in a horrible situation. And for him to end up with 1,600, 10 total touchdowns, he didn't miss a game. He didn't miss a snap. He was the most durable running back in the NFL this year. And we were talking pre-show. You said that there's a case to be made to sell him, to get rid of him, when his situation can only improve, right? Like, if they bring in, I'm just, if they bring in Aaron Rodgers, if they draft Kenny Pickett, if they trade for Kirk Cousins or Deshaun Watson, does his situation not improve? And why on earth would you trade that away after one season in Dynasty? I don't get it, man. I do not get it. So my only pushback on that is a couple things, right? One is uh, Najee Harris's touch load. We already know his touches were through the roof. And I'm curious to see how the new regime of quarterback, whoever it is, ultimately targets him because we know that Ben, like we saw with Philip Rivers late in his career, targeted the running back very heavily. Not to say that Najee doesn't deserve it. He deserves every target he gets. But with his clear lack of breakaway speed and his inability to make plays because of his offensive line, 
I'm curious to see how this kind of works out for them because like you said, his situation may only improve, but if they don't get a good quarterback and they do have a rookie back there, his situation might honestly be even worse. The no. offensive line can obviously no. improve. That's no. that's not a question. No. But no. if it if it's a if it's a Mason Rudolph type back there, a quarterback who isn't necessarily long for the NFL, is that going to really improve his situation? I didn't say because Mason he Rudolph. still did score ten touchdowns. I didn't say Mason. I'm, I'm saying it could be a rookie though. It could be a rookie though. It could be a rookie who just rookie... looks just as bad as Mason Rudolph. No, maybe not quite as bad as Mason Rudolph. No. But again, no. a rookie quarterback who isn't as good as Mac Jones. We had five stud quarterbacks, five top fifteen quarterbacks. One of them has looked good, and it's Mac Jones. The rest of them have looked terrible. But Do Trey we Lynch think that a rookie quarterback can come in and, and Trey Lance looked good, but he sat for 15 weeks. Yeah, that's that's my and again, but it, and also leading the league in touches is a big deal. I don't want to scoff that. Like I was going to say, volume like, is a lot king. of running backs got hurt, but it's volume. Volume, is king. Yeah, volume is king, right? And if he's getting the volume, I don't listen. What is he points per game? RB six. Like what? What more can you ask for? from a running back in a situation like Pittsburgh, RB6. I just, I, I, what are you selling? Why? Why? Because you think? It depends on price. It depends, it depends on where, because for me, right, it's all about the market. Are you, are you really going to bank on him being the RB3 going forward? Do you really think that he's the most talented running back going forward? Do you think he's as long for the NFL as maybe another running back? I think there could be an opportunity in the offseason. Like, if think about what would happen to Najee's value if they do bring in a good quarterback, do you want to hold on to him? Or is he worth like two to three firsts? And you maybe just want to be like, okay, I got enough out of Najee. He had a great season. And you sell him for all those picks. And maybe you pick up a 23 draft pick and you draft a running back or you have the running backs. I just don't think that he's a necessary hold because we know he's a little bit older already. And he's had such a large touch load. That's my only pushback on keeping him for the long term. So this because is he's probably not a long term running back. Okay, so this is and I was thinking about this. I'm glad you said that. I, I think this is where the fantasy football community, right? In the NFL community are 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 so off touch, right? It's so off base. We're thinking like two, three years down the line, like can he sustain it? What, what, you know, can you expect this next season or the season after that? Where one, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the way that they have operated in the past from Willie Parker to Jerome Bettis to Le'Veon Bell, now to Najee Harris, when they have a guy, that running back is the guy. There is nobody else that matters. That running back will be fed until he cannot be fed anymore. And Le'Veon Bell, the only reason he didn't get fed in, I believe it was 2017, 2018, is because he decided to hold out the season. Had Le'Veon Bell played, he would have finished as the RB1 in fantasy football once again. He was drafted in the first round, and I can assure you this, as long as he is on the field in health, we can't, uh, baking injury into decisions in the summer, into decisions right now, it just seems like, I think that's not a smart bet, right? As long as Najee is on the field and all evidence so far has pointed to him being on the field and playing, he is going to get the ball. He is going to get the ball out of the backfield. He's going to get the ball between the tackles. He's going to be uh, involved around the goal line. Like, that's what they do. They will use you until you're no, you're no longer usable. They're not thinking, you know what, Najee may not be here in two years. Let's not give him the ball. Like, we are looking for that volume. Like, we want... What was the issue last night? In last night's game, what was everybody clamoring about besides Baker Mayfield? The fact that Nick Chubb, why is Nick Chubb not on the field? Why is Nick Chubb not getting the ball? I think Nick Chubb is a more is a better running back in every sense of the word, maybe outside of catching the ball, than Najee Harris. He's got more speed. He's more elusive. Uh, I, I think they're both powerful runners. But the difference between Nick Chubb and Najee Harris is I know Najee's going to get the ball. I know he is going to carry the ball 15-plus times a game, and he's going to get his five to seven targets per game, whereas Nick Chubb, shit, you don't even know if he's going to get the ball from drive to drive. They got Dearness Johnson in in two-minute drills. When Kareem Hunt is there, you got to be concerned about that. Like, you are betting on – it's an efficiency bet versus a volume bet. And for me, when I'm looking at young rookie running backs, I don't care about – like, I, it, it, he's good enough, in my opinion. And let me, let me just say this. I am no scout – I'm no fantasy football analyst. There are more people out there who are qualified to give you all the analytical rushing data. What I do is I just watch the damn game. And to me, it's pretty evident when you're watching some of these players, like, who can who can ball, man? Like, it's football. 
it's not rocket science. It's football. Some cats can just ball. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's it doesn't take all this deep dive and well, actually, when when it's when the sun is here and he's playing outdoor, he's a baller. You give him the ball, he's gonna make plays. You upgrade that offensive line, and I'm not talking about wholesale changes. But you see that in the NFL. Look how quick the Chiefs revamped their offensive line. We've seen Tampa Bay do it. So it doesn't take much for situations to improve. I'm betting on the young bull who is the first-round pick in an organization who wants to run the ball, who wants to utilize one back. I'm not moving them unless anybody can get traded for the right price. But for me, uh, the, the narrative around Najee Harris being bad um, I, I just think that's misguided, and that's just yeah. The numbers don't lie. I'm not. I'm not hitting, sitting here saying that, but let's let's just use some common fucking football sense, man. Like I see him play; he's a good running back. So Najee Harris, first running back off of the board, gives you an RB three finish for the season. Uh, hat tip to Najee Harris. I think it was a fantastic job by him this year. Now the next running back that we learned nothing about uh, coming off the board right after Najee Harris, literally one pick later, Travis Etienne from the Jacksonville Jaguars drafted 125. We know that he had sprained a foot sprain, Liz Jones fracture in August, had surgery, did not play this season, uh, was drafted by Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer no longer with the Jaguars. We don't know what's going to happen with that situation next year. Now, Travis Etienne's path to relevancy probably got a little bit clearer regardless of who the coach is, uh, not only just the draft capital, but the fact that James Robinson tore his Achilles tendon. And unless he has some Cam Akers type uh, recovery, probably not going to be ready for week one of the NFL season. It's hard to say. I don't think we've learned anything about that situation. A lot of people were really high on Travis Etienne, had him as RB1 in the class, RB2, uh, you know, no lower than RB3. We know he's explosive, showed that he can catch the ball in the backfield at Clemson. Uh, for me, I'm I'm a mild buy. You know, I think I'm in the market for some Travis Etienne, especially that James Robinson is out of the way. There's no running back of consequence on that roster. Carlos Hyde, Darley Agumbawale. Uh, there's going to be a new coach in town. If that's Byron Leftwich, good for good for Travis Etienne. We saw how they use Leonard Fournette. Colin plays in Tampa Bay. If it's Kellen Moore, see how he uses Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. I think that'd be fine. Uh, we'll see. I think there was some old other curmudgeon ass coach that they're trying to interview as well which I don't know how that would play out but I think Travis Etienne is a mild buy his story is incomplete um you know at cost you might as well take him because uh, the running backs in 2022 while deep I don't know if they I, I think Travis Etienne would be the clear 101 in 2022 like clear over Brees Hall over Isaiah Spiller so Travis Etienne still a little incomplete I would buy him mildly and Jay if you see any comments anything dope in there uh, let me know, and we could uh, we could pull them up on the screen. But I'm still in on Travis Etienne. Now, somebody that everybody, like a player that everybody is in on right now, and and I don't blame you, is the hammer, the the human juggernaut, Javonta Williams, right? Uh, RB15 on the season, 12.3 points per game, which puts him as RB24, sharing a workload with Melvin Gordon. Um, what's interesting about this situation is I know people aren't going to like to hear this, I know people do not want to hear this, but I think they keep Melvin Gordon and they continue to use these two backs in tandem. Now, maybe Javonta Williams takes the step forward and is the primary ball carrier, but both of these running backs average 10 fantasy points per game. Uh, many think that Melvin Gordon are going to be released this offseason, but in my opinion, from a football standpoint, they work well together. Like both of those running backs work well together. Melvin Gordon and Javonta Williams are a perfect one-two tandem. They're both kind of like thunder and lightning in their own in their own ways. They both can catch the ball. They present problems out of the backfield. And if I'm Denver, Melvin Gordon has already said that he wants to come back. He wants to be a part of that team. If you can sign him for the low, I, I think you do that. This NFL today, man, you need multiple running backs. Like the 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 Najee Harris's of the world the Derrick Henrys of the world are so few and far between that when you have that bell cow type running back who's going to get the ball 20 plus times a game, I, I'm a big advocate of holding on to that because you don't see that come around often anymore. 
Most teams are deploying two, three running backs in an NFL game in order to keep them fresh and because they have varying skill sets, right? Javonta Williams, 857 yards on the season, four touchdowns. What was most impressive to me was the 51 targets, 41 receptions, 298 yards, and three touchdowns, and he still has a game to go to improve that, right? He only played about 60% of the snaps. Um, he only played over 60% of the snaps in one game, and it was against Kansas City when Melvin Gordon was out. So Javonta Williams is doing all of this while playing 54% of the snaps, 40% of the snaps. Um, and in that game, Melvin Gordon was out. He had 178 yards, six touchdowns, and in, 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 uh, in a touchdown. Uh, Javonta's ninth in the NFL in yards after contact per attempt, 3.31, which is first amongst all rookie running backs. Great. I mean, this is, this is who he was coming out of North Carolina. When we did the rookie profile, Jay, uh, last January, I believe, January or February. Yeah, something like that. And we talked about Javonta Williams. My comparison uh, for Javonta Williams was uh, Marion Barber, the former Dallas Cowboys running back. Just an absolute hammer. Can catch the ball in the backfield. Uh, difficult to bring down. Yards after contact. Like, he was my Marion Barber of the draft class. And I know some of y'all might be a little too young to remember Marion the Barbarian out of Minnesota. But he had like a good, really, really good three to four year stint in Dallas, and he didn't have the draft capital of a Javonta Williams. So like Marion Barber was his floor, Javonta Williams, Marion Barber plus, right? I mean, he's just he's a he's a hammer. He's a good running back. Um, I don't know where his value is right now. I see some people saying he's a top five dynasty running back. I don't know about that. I mean, I'm not going to argue it, but I, I don't know if I'm going to go that far to say top five when you got Jonathan Taylor. I still think healthy Christian McCaffrey. I know some people may not like that. I think he's there. You got Najee, DeAndre Swift. Maybe Javonta Williams sneaks in that top five, but a great season uh, for Javonta Williams. What do you think about the juggernaut, man? Oh, he's a monster. He's a monster. And so I'm sitting here listening to you talk about Javonta Williams, but I have to ask you if they did get rid of Melvin Gordon, at that point, would you say he's a top five running back? Oh, yeah, and yeah, would you yeah, yeah, potentially yes. buy on yeah. the speculation of that, right? Yeah. I think, well, I agree with you. The tandem makes sense. I think a a lesser role for Melvin Gordon and potentially a pay cut incoming could be a situation that lends, lends Melvin Gordon to a 20 30% snap share in more of a complimentary role. I don't know how much I agree with the Thunder-Lightning comparison. I would say that... <laughs> Melvin Gordon's more of a thunder light because Javonta Williams is definitely the thunder and maybe yeah, they can bring in some lightning via the draft or whatever it is. You know, Melvin Gordon ain't so much lightning anymore. I know he used to play for the Chargers, but that those days are a little bit over. But I, I think that, you know, Javonta Williams has that upside. He's going to be the guy at the goal line no matter what. Even though Melvin Gordon was scoring touchdowns, I think next year they're just going to go all in on Javonta Williams. You kind of saw the transition throughout the season. Like you talked about the game against Kansas City. It was a game where everyone was like, Javonta Williams is going to go off, and he did just that. And I think that those are the kind of games we can expect from him as the lead running back in Denver. And if they bring in a capable quarterback, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, veteran quarterback, someone who can actually throw the ball and move the ball downfield, that just takes Javonta Williams' touchdown upside and throws it through the roof. Yeah. And at that point, he has to be top five option, potentially. Brandon, James Cook, Javonta Williams. Woo! Now that would be something. Yeah, that'd be, that a, nice, be, something. That'd oh be a nice combination for sure. Um, the next, and these, these are the running backs off of the board in order of the NFL draft. So the next running back off of the board, Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon came off the board as a third-round pick, 25th overall in that round. Uh, this season, 41 carries, 167 yards, and a touchdown for Trey Sermon. Um, yeah, I mean, pff, brutal, right? If you spent the first-round rookie pick on Trey Sermon and uh, you had high hopes of him, I, I know in redraft his ADP was up there. He was going in third, fourth round in redraft leagues. Sometimes you miss, man. I mean, we saw it with Rashad Penny when he was drafted in the first round with Seattle Seahawks. He didn't do anything, got hurt. Um, we see this happen in the NFL, and it's unfortunate um, that, you know, people bought into it, Kyle Shanahan. And looking back on it, it was kind of telling that he takes Trey Sermon in the third round and then turns around in the sixth round and drafts uh, Elijah Mitchell. Now, not the same as the Washington football team drafting Robert Griffin top two and then turning around and drafting Kirk Cousins, but... You just kind of don't want to see that happen um, at the running back position. And 
you know, my biggest hit this season, a lot of people tout me for Elijah Mitchell because I was on Elijah Mitchell before most anybody. Um, but I say, like, it, that was like 60% luck, right? Like, it really, like, people give me too much credit for that. I My job and my role in this fantasy football space is honestly prospect identification. Like, I want to give you my opinions on these players so you can be like, uh, I didn't know who Calvin Austin was from Memphis. Maybe I need to go look up this wide receiver. Like, oh, I didn't know who Elijah Mitchell was because he played in the freaking Sun Belt at Louisiana and nobody watches them play. Maybe I need to go look up Elijah Mitchell. And when they get drafted, in your mind, you're like, I remember Ray G talking about Elijah Mitchell. He's sitting here in the third, fourth round of my rookie drafts. I'll take a shot. You know, that that's what my role is in this space. It's prospect identification. I'm not some fucking pro scout, not some data analyst. Like I just watch the game and tell you what I see. And when I watched Elijah Mitchell, it was evident to me. I was like, this dude's fast. He can catch the ball. He goes to the senior ball, goes to the pro day, runs a four three. We know that was a little inflated because all pro day times in 2021 were inflated, but still, if you adjust, I mean, he ran a 4-4-40 yard dash. He's got the explosiveness. He's got the speed. And what did he do when he got on the field? The moment he made the 53, I was like, Elijah Mitchell's going to have a chance. Like, if if your player can make the 53-man roster, like, there's a good chance that at some point, said player, especially at the running back position, is going to get on the field. And he did, and he usurped Trey Sermon. And we might as well just jump to Elijah Mitchell right now. He finishes his RB28 on the season, 14.2 points per game, his RB18. The issue with Elijah Mitchell is he was banged up all damn year, right? He got hurt, was banged up all year. Um, but it, when you needed him most, if you had him in week 17, he helped you win a fantasy title. Like, that's that's what he did. He helped you win a fantasy title. He's in an offense that's conducive to the running back position. He set records for the San Francisco 49ers this year. Uh, he's the third rookie running. He was third in rookie running back in yards after contact, uh, 20th amongst all NFL backs. Uh, so pretty good after contact, 887 yards, five TDs, 19 receptions, 137 yards in this RBBC committee in San Francisco. Um, if you have Elijah Mitchell, I, I think hold him. If I'm trading him, I'm not trading him for anything less than a first round pick. They have no running back under contract next season outside of Elijah Mitchell and I believe Trey Sermon. Those are the only two backs under contract in San Francisco heading into 2022. Now, they may re-sign Raheem Mostert. They may bring back uh, Jeff Wilson or whomever. But I, if I'm not mistaken, I think those are the only two backs under contract in San Francisco next year. So Elijah Mitchell should have that role to himself going into the 2022 season. Is he long for the wear? I don't know. He's been banged up quite a bit already, which isn't promising. But for this season, what you had to spend on him, third, fourth round pick, got him off of waivers, even in dynasty leagues, unless you were tapped in. If you were tapped in, you drafted him in the fourth round. Uh, I, I'm, I'm fine with Elijah Mitchell as a sixth round running back, RB28 off of the board. Let's go back up. Let's go back in order. Uh, Michael Carter. Michael Carter comes off of the board after Trey Sermon, fourth round, second pick, RB29 on the season. Carter quietly had a really good year, 620 yards, four TDs, 36 receptions, uh, fourth in yards after contact per attempt with 2.9, which was 12th amongst all running backs in the NFL. And per FTN data, Carter is the third most elusive player in the NFL with a minimum of 50 carries and five receptions. I will say this, the Jets towards the end of the season looked a hell of a lot better than they did at the beginning of the season. Zach Wilson looked good. Michael Carter looked good. Uh, they got Braxton Berrios out there balling. No Corey Davis. Denzel Mims is still a bust. The Jets are okay. They, they still got a long way to go, but they're promising. When you bring back Elijah Moore, uh, Zach Wilson, another, you know, going into the second season, Michael Carter, I know he had a concussion, so we got to be mindful of that. We never want to see too many head injuries from NFL players. But quietly, I give I give the Jets a little round of applause. I was a big, big little skeptic of uh, I was a big skeptic of Zach Wilson. I know he had the arm talent, but I didn't believe in the situation. Didn't really believe in the weaponry around him. But Zach Wilson, if if you're asking me, uh, the most impressive rookie quarterbacks, and we'll talk about them later this week, is Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. I I like what I'm seeing out of Zach Wilson, and I like what I saw out of Michael Carter. Is he a full time? Hand it to him 20-plus time a game back? Probably not. But, you know, 138 carries, 620 yards? 
not bad from from the from the Jets. So uh, encouraging if you have Michael Carter in Dynasty. Now the next running back off of the board, just a mere twelve picks after Michael Carter, was uh, Kine Wongwu of the Minnesota Vikings running back. Wongwu is it Kine Kine? Well, I know it's Wongwu. I got that part right. Uh, explosive runner, right? Is he going to develop into some uh, mainstay at the running back position? Maybe if Alexander Madison departs, I don't know what his contract situation is, but maybe Wong Wu can have some sort of uh, backup upside if Dalvin Cook gets hurt, if, if something happens to Dalvin Cook. I think they tried to work him in to see if they'd feel comfortable with him as a backup. Uh, he's a dynasty stash for me. If you can get Wong Wu in, as a throw-in, and a trade, if he's sitting out there on waiver wires, you might as well pick him up and just hold him at the back of the roster. I think there's a chance that he could be the potential backup running back in Minnesota. And with his explosiveness, it only takes one play, and he can score you a touchdown. Now, a player who I was so wrong on, biggest miss for me. I think this was my biggest miss in 2021. And it's not that he finished like extremely high in the overall running back ranks, but it's what we saw from him that makes me encouraged moving forward. And that's uh, New England Patriots running back Ramondre Stevenson, drafted in the fourth round, finishes his RB44, so not high at all, outside of the top 36. Uh, 129 carries, 572 yards, five touchdowns, caught the ball quite well, 16 targets, 13 receptions, 121 yards. He's 11th in the NFL in yards after contact per attempt, second amongst rookies, only behind Javonta Williams. And per, and per FTN data, Ramondre Stevenson is the second most elusive player in the NFL. So I, I kept calling him throughout the season. He's the discount version, and I mean discount, if 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 uh, if Ramondre if, if if Javonta Williams is Pete's coffee. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson is the great value version, right? But he's a hammer. He's a bro broken tackle machine. Uh, the first defender never gets him on the ground. He's explosive. He can catch the ball in the backfield. And when given the opportunity outside that Buffalo Bills game, Ramondre Stevenson looked good. And he looked nothing like what he looked like at Oklahoma. He looked like a completely different running back. He's going to be one of the guys that I target. My question to you all, who gets drafted higher going into next season? Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson? Who do you have more faith in long-term? Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson? I think it's a question worth asking. I like Ramondre. I want him. He's no top 12 back. I think he's got to, if he, if he became the Damian Harris, if he became the main guy, I do think that he could be a top 24 running back. I think that. I may be, I may be a little too bullish. I may have swung the pendulum too far to the other direction. But I really like what I've seen out of Ramondre Stevenson as a rookie. A pretty solid year. 572 yards, I'll take it from Ramondre. Now, next running back off of there, a lot of running backs were in round four. All these running backs were drafted round four. So early day three draft capital. Chuba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State, 163 carries, uh, 564, 34 targets, 23 receptions, 166 yards. Uh, Chuba was a fill-in for Christian McCaffrey. Two years in a row, CMC has gone down. They've had no running back of consequence behind CMC. This was a big audition for Chuba Hubbard to see if he could be the guy that's going to spell CMC because I don't believe that, I think that the, the 2019 version of CMC where you got when 1,000, that may be done. Uh, two years in a row, injured, not been there. His days as the bell cow that we talked about in that Najee Harris role, in that role where he's getting all the work, are probably done. They would probably be wise to spell him, give him some rest, because he is under contract, I believe, through 2025. Like, they cannot do anything with him until after the 2025 season. So you might as well protect your investment a little bit better. Chuba was okay, RB38 on the season. Uh, I, I don't see any long-term like starting potential out of Chuba Hubbard, but as a backup, as a spot starter, as a fill-in, uh, I think even this past weekend he he scored a long touchdown. He helped you. He helped you secure a fantasy title. If you had him in your flex spot, if you were forced to start him as an RB two, if you had him in best ball, Chuba Hubbard helped you win a fantasy title this year, or may have been on the other side of that and helped you lose one. So I think he is what he is. He's a solid backup running back that can give you some spot starts. Um, I prefer Ramondre. I prefer Michael Carter. Of course, Javante Etn over Chuba Hubbard. Uh, Trey Sermon, no. Wong Wu, no. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, I think, appropriately, play, appropriately placed. 
The next running back off of the board, and the, the last one that we really want to talk about, uh, Kenneth Gainwell. 56 carries, uh, 213 yards, four touchdowns, 29 receptions and a touchdown. Uh, Philly, they just want to run the ball. Jalen Hurts, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Kenneth Gainwell. They got five damn running backs. So it's going to be difficult to decipher which one is going to get the work every weekend and week out. I think we believe that Gainwell was going to be more of the pass-catching back when uh, Jalen Hurts just doesn't check down to the running back a ton. Like this, If nothing is there, if his first or second read in there, he's probably going to run. I don't know what value Gainwell really holds inside this offense. Maybe if they let Boston Scott go, Jordan Howard's out of the way, and it's just Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell, maybe there's something there moving forward with Gainwell. Um, but not, you know... He, just doesn't have the he doesn't have the build of an every down back. We know that, right? His calling card is how good he is out of the backfield and in the pass catching game. Would I actively be trying to acquire Gainwell? Probably not. Like of these running backs, the ones that I'm actively trying to acquire, like go get probably Javante, depending on price, uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, who else? Uh, there was somebody else. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, probably not, and Travis Etienne. Those are the ones I'm like actively trying to acquire because I think their price may be a little bit, you know, low enough to where you can kind of maneuver and finagle that in some dynasty trades. But for the most part, those were the rookie running backs and the ones that truly mattered. Najee, Javante, Michael Carter to a certain degree, Stevenson and, and Hubbard to a certain degree, and then Elijah Mitchell, which helped you win a league title this year. Jay, how do you feel overall this 2021 running back class? How do you feel about these guys? We potentially have two top five dynasty running backs out of this class. I think they're great. Honestly, you know, you talk about all these running backs. I didn't necessarily expect this from this class, right? And and when you especially when you talk about Travis Etienne coming back, I think a coach would be foolish to not look at what they did at Clemson and all the success they had, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, and kind of try to mimic that to some degree in the NFL. Um, but to see Elijah Mitchell, like I know, I think I'm more bullish on Elijah Mitchell than you. And to talk about some of the things that you did talk about, just to kind of clarify, um, and Wangu will be the, probably the third stringer for a little bit because Madison is under contract for another year. Mm. I think to your point about Ramondre Stevenson, it's the touchdown upside in New England that we know is always going to be there is the reason why I think for sure, if he's the lead back top 24, I don't know if Bill will give him that role. But again, if we're talking, he is the lead dog, always top 24 upside, even top 12 upside with double digit touchdown potential for the uh, New England Patriots running back. Chuba Hubbard, though, is interesting because he's looked really good. And, and the one thing that you didn't necessarily point out was that Christian McCaffrey's only played 10 games the last two seasons. That's a problem. And like, even though he's a top running back, if he's not available, then how useful is he to us? And how much should we be targeting Chuba Hubbard? Um, the only part I kind of disagree with with you is I think that Kenneth Gainwell is a very affordable running back to get. I okay. think he's a guy that yeah. if he has the up, if he has if he has the role and it's secured. He is a guy who's not going to cost you a lot. And so while I do agree with you that I'm not necessarily targeting him, he's a throw-in in almost any trade. Yeah, he's not fair. moving the needle, but he hasn't done a whole lot. And I think that the upside is always there. But I get I get if you maybe would rather ha take a shot on another guy in the fourth round. Again, if you're tapped into Ray G, you know the deep sleepers. You know the yeah, guys yeah. that are coming from small schools that you're going to want to target. So for me, I think – but Gamewell could be a guy who could have a lot of potential. But Mitchell um, – another, another stat about Mitchell – Every game but two that he started, he had 17 or more carries. Yeah. So yeah, when yeah. he starts, he gets the ball a lot. So while yeah. he's been banged up, if he puts together a full season, there will be a lot of carries and a lot of touchdowns in his future. It just comes down to can he stay healthy? Can the 49ers keep their backs healthy? And ultimately, like you mentioned, who comes back there? Do they bring back Mostert? Do they bring in somebody else? I would not expect just a Sermon Mitchell backfield. We have never seen that in San Francisco since Kyle Shanahan's been there. It's always three to four guys. You just know that one of them is probably going to be the lead guy, and yeah. it should be Mitchell heading into the 2022 season. So uh, um appreciate uh, somebody dropped uh, somebody dropped us a little contribution in the Super Chat, uh, Derek Richard, man. He said uh, he said the Jets are decent, Ray. is he? I got some glasses, man. Yeah, yeah. The Jet, the Jets. What I mean by the Jets are decent is they play, but they play better, man. I, I was encouraged by some of the things I saw from the Jets. I'm seeing some people talk about uh, Khalil Herbert because we didn't talk about Khalil Herbert. Um, I think he's fine, right? He's, the the problem is I don't think Montgomery's going anywhere. If when when Montgomery no. went down, 
Herbert was good. Like, Herbert was legit. Herbert helped you win. I don't know if that was league like five or six, but when, when David Montgomery got hurt, Herbert was balling, right? And and that's and that's sort of like my, my, my strategy moving forward in 2022, man. In the third and fourth rounds, instead of like taking these flyers on some of these tight ends that we're going to talk about, Hunter Long and Tommy Trimble and Trey McKitty, all, all these dudes, like just draft running backs. In the third and fourth round of your rookie drafts, just draft running backs. Just bet on at some point in an 18-game season, they're going to get banged up. They're going to get nicked up. That doesn't mean they're out for the season, but they'll miss a game. Uh, they, they, they get banged up in the middle of the game, and they got to start some – like, just take a shot. Take a shot on Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. Take a shot on Jerome Ford next year. We, we talked a lot of crap about Brian Robinson, but if he's sitting there in the third round of your rookie drafts, draft him. Just, just draft him. No, you, you just draft him because these dudes are going to play, man. Literally, Craig Reynolds, yeah. uh, D- Justin Jackson, who's been like the backup for years, he's out there winning people weeks. Like these running backs. Larry Roundtree, too, has had a couple of good weeks. Yeah, they, these guys are going to play. So in the third and fourth round of your rookie draft, stop shooting for the moon with Tutu Atwell. Don't go drafting. Like, just go get. Whatever running back is available, just draft them. Because all of these, everyone that we talked about, all of these running backs were drafted in the NFL draft, sixth round and first round. Every last one of them got 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 to tote the rock. I mean, outside of Kenneth yeah. Gainwell and Wong Wu and uh, Sermon, like all these guys had 100-plus carries as a rookie. So there's a chance that they're going to be involved moving forward. Just draft them. Just draft them. And if they start – People were trading second round picks for Khalil Herbert. Hell, I did it. Like I, just, yeah. I was like, I need a running back. I need a running back this week. I'll give you a second for Herbert. He's going to start. Like it's just the value play, right? It's the value play in dynasty. You got to make that move. Um, and uh, in reliable offenses, yeah, I love that. In reliable offenses. So let's turn our attention to the. One tight of the end. questions we did get, Ray, if you don't mind me stopping. Yeah, you yeah, for go one ahead, second. Go ahead. Was someone asked if there's going to be any first round running backs this year in the draft in 2022? Uh, doubtful. I doubt. It. What are your thoughts on? I doubt that? it. I doubt it. And if there is one, not my RB1, I love him. If there is one, I think it will be Kenneth Walker. I'm just going to say that. If there is mm-hmm. one, I think it will be Kenneth Walker. If there's a first-round running back, it will be K-Dub, K-9. I, 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 don't, I don't think we will see one. I think we're, we're looking at – but here's the thing. The second round is the new first round. Like Jay-Z said, 40 is the oh, new yeah. 20. Like I think the second round is the new first round. Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, all second-round picks. Javonta Williams, second-round pick. Michael Carter, he's a fourth-round pick, but you get what I'm saying. Like The second round is like the new first round. I think NFL teams are smartening up to that. Now, they will be put to the test in 2023 when B. John Robinson and all those guys come out because B. John's <laughs> going to be a first-round pick. But I don't think we'll see any in 2022. I don't. I, I think the first, the earliest we'll see someone come off of the board is second round, and I think it's probably going to be Kenneth Walker. So yeah. let's talk about the tight ends, and there's not a lot to talk about because uh, the tight end one, we knew he was going to be the tight end one, is uh, Kyle Pitts. Tight end five on the season, points per game, 10.9, which was tight end 10. And a lot of the Kyle Pitts hate definitely comes from the fact that he scored, what, one touchdown on the season? Uh, you, yep. you you give him five touchdowns, he's tight in four. You know what I mean? I, I I don't I did not do that math in my head, and I don't know if that's accurate. But if he scores more touchdowns, his points per game is definitely going to go up. Uh, he's a freak, man. This kid is 21, 22 years old, and he's is he over a thousand yards on the season, or right at a thousand yards, or close to a thousand yards? Yeah, he went over a thousand this week, uh, okay. and I believe he's the first tight end to go over a thousand in, in like sixty years or something crazy like that. There's some wild stat about Kyle Pitts but to your point about touchdowns I believe he had five touchdowns my rough math real quick right now he would have been tight end three on the season ahead of Kittle and ahead of Dalton Schultz I mean dude listen man in in his conversion rate you know 105 targets only 66 receptions like Matt Ryan was all over the damn place and he still had over a thousand yards he's got another game to go he could finish with 1100 yards on the season Uh, he's a monster man he's the dynasty in my opinion my opinion He's dynasty tight end one. You got to put him as dynasty tight end one. I love Mark Andrews, but Kelsey at 33, you can't have him as tight end one. You can't. TJ Hawkinson, no thank you. Um, it, for me, in my opinion, it's between Mark Andrews, who's 26, and Kyle Pitts, who's 21 years old and just had 1,000 yards in a rookie in his rookie season. He's a beast. And if Atlanta upgrades their – now, Matt Ryan's going to start next year, but I think Atlanta would be wise to invest in a quarterback to start grooming 
uh, for when Matt Ryan is is gone from the Falcons. Um, hopefully his situation can improve. But Kyle Pitts, uh, what what more can you say about how fantastic he's been? The touchdowns, and as the as the analytic people say, uh, there's regression coming, positive regression. I think that's what it is, positive regression for the touchdowns. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, something like that. It wouldn't shock me if next year he had 10 damn touchdowns. So uh, Kyle Pitts, beast, he, he's the best young tight end that we've uh, – almost one of the best young tight ends we've ever seen. Uh, we've seen some good ones. Jeremy Shockey was a beast when he came in from the Giants. He was fun to watch. Kyle Pitts is a glorified wide receiver playing tight end. Now, the, the, the tight end, too. Drafted in the second round, and he's a player that I told everybody that if you missed on Kyle Pitts, if you missed out on him, because people were taking him 102, 103, 101 in some leagues, don't trip because Pat Fryermuth, the big boy out of Penn State, is going to be just fine. And I and I predicted, and I got this on wax, Jay. I was like, Pat Fryermuth is going to be a top eight dynasty tight end, top ten dynasty tight end. And this season, 50 work, four receptions, 440 yards, seven touchdowns. So whereas Kyle Pitts... Uh, had the receptions, no touchdowns. Uh, Pat Fryermuth didn't have as many receptions. He had 54 right behind him, but 440 yards. And I'm not shocked at all because Ben Roethlisberger can't throw the ball down the field, but he had seven touchdowns on 70 targets. He's going to be a mainstay in that Pittsburgh offense. And when you think about those weapons with Claypool, with Deontay Johnson, with Najee Harris, with Pat Fryermuth, it's a good core of young wide receivers to sort of build and help mold your young quarterback around. Pat Fryermuth, good. See a lot of shit out there about selling Pat Fryermuth as well. Just sell everybody. Just sell everybody. Don't get anybody. Just draft these guys and sell them in a year. That's that's the dynasty strategy, apparently. Uh, but Pat Fryermuth, really good. After that, Hunter Long, Tommy Trimble, Trey McKitty, Kyle Granson, mild interest there. Luke Fackrell at 501. And you want to know who my number one dynasty tight end buy is uh, from this 2021 class, Jay. He was drafted after all these guys, when he was my tight end, like three coming into the draft, Brevin Jordan, go get Brevin Jordan. When when they throw him the ball, when he's on the field in Houston, I know Houston is abysmal. Brevin Jordan has looked damn good. He looks like another Miami tight end. Death taxes and Miami tight ends. We're talking about Jeremy Shockey, Kellen Winslow, Greg Olson, Bubba Franks. They just have tight ends galore. Jimmy Graham, Brevin Jordan. Drafted in the fifth round, everybody left him for dead because he didn't get the draft capital that we thought. Brevin Jordan, you talk about throw-ins in a deal, that is a throw-in. And if you're a savvy dynasty manager, Brevin Jordan is somebody that I think you need to be trying to get because it ain't going to cost you anything. Like it, it will cost you absolutely nothing. Fourth-round pick, a late third-round pick to get Brevin Jordan, throw him in in, in in a package deal. But I think that young tight end, like that young man, has talent to be one of the better tight ends in the NFL if he continues to work at his craft. And what we saw, he put a, just enough on wax to give me some hope that he can be something down the line. Like, you know, tight ends take a while. Trey McKitty, nothing. Trimble, we'll see. Hunter Long remains to be seen, especially if Miami decides to go in a different direction from Mike Gusecki. What are your thoughts on the tight ends, man? I think you nailed it. You know, Pat Fryermuth looking like a stud, especially in the end zone. They call him Baby Gronk. They call pretty much everybody these days Baby Gronk. Michael Mayer, yeah, everybody, Baby Gronk. Everybody's Baby and, Gronk. And uh, the tight end out of Georgia's Baby Gronk, <laughs> Brock Bowers. But uh, Fryermuth, I think, is the guy who has a lot of upside. You know, we saw kind of where his role fit in, and a lot of that came at the expense of Eric Ebron being injured. But I think coming into next season, we talk about bringing in potentially a veteran quarterback. We'll see what happens as far as the targets go, but we know that rookie quarterbacks like to throw to tight ends. So if they do bring in a rookie quarterback, we could see Pratt Firemuth really be that safety valve for the tight end. So I like that spot a lot. Brevin Jordan, I'm kind of iffy on because I don't love the situation if Deshaun Watson ultimately ends up leaving, which I think we fully expect. Yeah, he's good. Or at least maybe Davis Mills. But at least Davis Mills was targeting Brevin Jordan. And, and Davis Mills had looked much better than I think anyone expected. And I fully expect him to be the starting quarterback next season unless something weird happens. I think they try to roll with Davis Mills. You know, they have a long rebuild ahead of themselves. They're not just going to turn it around in one season. They're not bringing in a veteran quarterback. So I think they do start the season with Davis Mills and another year with, you know, Nico Collins been make, making some strides forward and then Brevin Jordan. If Brandon Cook stays, I think that's like a decent threesome for Davis Mills and potentially Brevin Jordan having some success. Talking about Kyle Pitts, he also did all of this without Calvin Ridley on the field. Yeah. We saw what Calvin Ridley did beside Julio Jones. We can see the upside of Kyle Pitts when he's not the number one option in that offense. And, you know, I think it was Stone who asked, does Calvin Ridley come back? 
I think he does. You know, we don't really know his situation that well. Maybe throughout the offseason, some things come out about him um, that we kind of learn more about what was going on. But I think he will be back. You know, he's, he's a great talent, and Kyle Pitts can only benefit from playing beside a player like that. And so I think so, it is impressive to see what Kyle Pitts did next to basically nobody, Russell Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Like, if, it, if they get some weaponry around Pitts, that's definitely going to help because when you're taking the top corner – and you're saying, Stephon Gilmore, you go guard Kyle Pitts. Like, you don't have to Literally. worry about Russell Gage or Alameda Zaccheaus. It definitely makes that, that – it's the hardest skill position to master in the NFL. And the fact that he had over 1,000 yards this season as essentially the focal point of that offense, impressive, man. Don't trip on Pitts. Don't trip. Don't, don't trip. The touchdowns are coming. He's going to be fine. And to Brevin Jordan's point, uh, his last in his last three games, I know that the, versus the 49ers, he only had one for nine. But before that, versus the Chargers, he had four for 56. Versus the Seahawks, he had four for 26 and one. On the season, 20 receptions, 178 yards, three touchdowns. Again, he didn't, he didn't go out there and world beat anybody, but he's shown just enough flashes for me personally, where if all I have to do is give you, let's just say two fourth-round picks, a late third rounder and you need a tight end, you want to take a shot on a young upside tight end. He's already, he's getting on the field and he's playing, man. This is all you can ask for. And I do think Houston is better to some degree next year because Davis Mills will have started some more games. I think he's going to be the starting quarterback going into 2022. Use that safety valve in Brevin Jordan. Uh, just, I'm just throwing him out there. A player that you can get in dynasty for the low. Um, Big takeaways for me uh, from this season, just don't don't ignore new information, right? Going into the draft, you may have been a big Trey Sermon fan, but the fact that when you, when you don't see him on the field and they got him as a healthy scratch, like all that I'm going to buy low on healthy scratches, I'm not. If you... If your team is telling you you can't, did you see Jay? Did you see the quote from Mike Zimmer talking about Kellen Mond? Where he oh was my like, god, where they were like, they I were can't like, believe we haven't talked about this. Well, I was going to bring it up earlier. Well, well, so that you know, the reporters are asking, "Hey, would you like to see some Kellen Mond?" And Mike Zimmer, stone face, is like, "No." And they're like, "Well, why? Why? Why don't you want to see it?" I see him every day. I don't need to see him in live. When when the coaches are telling you they see these cats every day and then they're like, healthy scratch, you're not going to play. Let's give the sixth rounder the run. Don't ignore new information. Ramondre Stevenson, go pull the receipts. Oh, GQ was talking real reckless about Ramondre Stevenson. And throughout the entire preseason, I kept saying, oh, damn, he's about to make me look Let's silly because he's balling. He's balling. He looks good. Now, he didn't walk into the NFL and command all the work, but don't ignore new information, man, good or bad. Don't be prisoner or take lock. If, 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 if your RB1 is not the RB1, then it's fine. Just, just move on, admit it, keep going, because ultimately we're trying to win our fantasy titles and not be right on every single take. Like, that's ridiculous, man. So don't ignore new information, whether that's the preseason. Don't overreact in training camp, because training camp is what had y'all drafting Trey Sermon at the 110 spot in rookie drafts. Be patient with some of these cats, and then take some shots on some higher upside players later in your rookie draft. So uh, that's sort of my review of the 2021 running backs in their rookie season. Uh, Najee, ETN, Javante, the stud. You got some some nice backups, the Khalil Herberts. I saw some people in the comments asking about uh, asking about Zach Charbonnet. Like Zach Charbonnet a lot. I think I got him as a wide receiver four, uh, running back four in the 2022 class, and we'll get to that later. Uh, did anybody else have anything before we get the hell out of here and let y'all enjoy your Tuesday? Uh, I just want to say I appreciate everybody tapping into the show, man. Keep the comments popping tomorrow. We've got Q&A. Like, that's all we're doing. So uh, go to Twitter. What's the Twitter handle, Jay, where they can submit some questions to? And then we could talk through all these are questions. Are we doing Q&A tomorrow? Or are you, are you going off schedule again? Oh, I'm, I'm or, going off schedule. I thought we were doing wide receivers tomorrow. Oh, okay, okay, okay. My bad. You're the producer. I'm sorry. No Q&A. <laughs> Don't submit shit because we're gonna answer next week. Yeah, Q and A. Q will be next week. Uh, we'll probably do Wednesday. We're gonna. I was gonna call it the Hump Day Q and A, but I need the people to let me know what should we call the Q and A. I don't get no. I gotta get out of here. Stop all that. Stop. 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 What I don't need the is Q and A. Wide receivers tomorrow. Wide receivers tomorrow. We're gonna talk about Jamar Chase and how wrong I was for having him as wide receiver two in the class. Lord have mercy. I'm just going to get that. I'm going to do the Eminem from eight mile approach and just get ahead of the slander. I was wrong. I should have had him as wide receiver one. I got too cute. Put him at WR two. 
And if you if you rely on that information for your drafts, DM me and I will send you a shirt because I screwed you royally because he is the wide receiver one from 2021. Uh, so we're going to talk about our wide receivers. That's going to be a dope show because the 2021 class was loaded with wide receivers. And honestly, even if you missed out on Jamar Chase, if you got Waddle, Bateman, Moore, Smitty, you're probably still sitting really, really good in your dynasty league. So we're going to do that tomorrow. Wide receivers, no questions. Don't submit a damn thing. But y'all go make Tuesday great. Subscribe to the show. Support the show. Patreon.com forward slash prospect talk. And we'll be back tomorrow. And we're going to get it right tomorrow. Yesterday, Jordan's audio was low. Today, I sounded like a Decepticon at the beginning of the show. But I promise you, third time's a charm. We're going to get it right tomorrow. Make sure you wake your ass up with Ray G. We out of this thing. Peace.